0: It's time for episode 298 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, June 12, 2019. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes.
1: Welcome back to Clockwise, the only tech podcast that's constantly interrupted by a little white rabbit in a vest. (laughs) Hey, bunny boy, we get that you're late, but I really need you to be quiet. I'm trying to do a podcast. We've talked about this. Anyway, uh, so I am one of your hosts, Micah Sargent, and I am joined across (laughs) the Internet by my co-host, pal, good buddy and friend. It's Dan Morin. How you doing, Dan?
0: I'm doing well, Micah. That was a real radio drama moment there. I felt, I felt immersed (laughs) in this story. I'm so
1: glad. You know, I was doing some real mic work there, sort of pushing it away from me, you know. Well done. Well done. We've really upped our our budget, our production budget. (laughs) Yes. So, of course, we have to talk about our awesome guests who have joined us this week. To my left is VFX artist and Co host of Defocused on the Incomparable Network, as well as co host of Unhelpful Suggestions, it's Joseph Rosenstiel. Hello, Joe. Hello, Micah. Hello. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> and to my left, it is the managing editor at iMore, and someone who I actually got to meet in person for the first time yes. last week. It's Lori Gill. Hi, Lori.
2: Hi, how's it going? We barely talked to each other, though. It was so fast. <laughs> you all know how this
1: show works. We got 30 minutes. We got some topics, and I'm going to kick things off. Apple's new hearing health feature for the Apple Watch kind of got me thinking. Uh, I... Don't pay too much attention to what the sounds are like around me and how loud they are. But I'm curious, based on your activities, do you think you're at risk for hearing loss? And do you think this feature could be helpful? Joe, we'll start with you.
3: I think I might be at risk for hearing loss, but it won't be something that this feature would be able to solve because, uh, I think headphones, uh, and earbuds and the, the, that sort of thing. Uh, would play a far bigger role in my life than, um, concerts, which I typically avoid, like the plague. Um, but, uh, I, I, I yeah, I just don't see a large outdoor gathering with loud music or speakers or anything, uh, being, being the issue. And, uh, I, already envision that the first time this little notification comes up that says hey you're somewhere loud i'm gonna have to turn it off because i will already know that um because uh that doesn't seem like super help and this this is one of those features that seems like a stretch to me uh, in terms of its helpfulness but uh yeah it's not going to do anything about about earbuds or uh, headphones or any of that um, for for things that I think I might actually be at risk for. Um, so what they need to do is the W uh, one chip, etc., uh, needs to, to figure out um, the volume levels and calibrate it to my ear canals, and then we can we can go from there.
0: Yeah, I, I think Joe is right about the the bigger risk certainly comes from technological devices that we all use and listen to every day, uh, whether you know headphones or speakers or what have you. Apple has done a little bit of work with that in the past because they've done, you know, they've had the check features and things where you can set volume limiters, but I think most people don't probably bother with that. So as Joe suggests, if, you, if there was a smarter way to sort of ma- ma- not only monitor that, but also uh, adjust it intelligently or provide more warnings when those things are in unsafe range, I think that would be a bigger help there is the possibility that the sort of noise meter thing will help in certain situations where it is like a a rock concert, or maybe if you are somebody who works uh, in a construction site or at rocket launches, you know, the loud kind of things um, in reminding people like, hey, maybe you should wear some of your protection if you're not already doing so. But this seems like a a little bit of a distraction in that I think that the the risks uh, just to agree with Joe again because I love agreeing with Joe. Uh, the risks are much greater from the, the the technology stuff that we're already using that this doesn't seem to monitor.
2: I'm so I'm giddy I'm I'm wiggling in my seat when I saw that Micah had put this up. I was so ex- oh I'm so excited about talking about hearing health and. This is why. I am somebody who does suffer from hearing uh, damage. I do have tinnitus and I have constant ringing in my ear and it is because I spent much of my younger years playing in rock bands and not using earplugs. And if I could go back in time and tell that me from 10 or 15 years ago or whatever, um, wear earplugs because you will suffer the consequences and you will wish that you could go back in time and, and, ch- and change that, uh, that would be great. To me, The the noise feature in the health app is, is the way it's almost a way not of going back in time, but of being that person that will tell you, check your ears. So for me, the notification part is the most important part. Number 1, if you if you're in an environment where there's just one loud noise, it's the the health app is not going to notify you of this one, you know, split second that it's too loud. What it will do is that over a small period of time, I don't remember how long it is. I think it might be 2 minutes. It'll notice that the the volume in in the room or in your headphones um it has has passed, surpassed the 80 decibels, which is considered loud. And it'll just go just to let you know it's a little loud. And then you make that decision for yourself at that point. And here's where that sort of going back in time thing comes in, because I am a proponent of protecting your ears now. And and if I can be the help to anybody right now, turn this notification on and then turn your headphones down whenever the notification comes up. Because... You, you can't stop the ringing in your ear when it's there for the rest of your life. And if I can do one thing to tell everybody, protect your ears. This is one way to give you that notification, to give you that reminder that you've got your, your headphones too loud. If you're at a, at a club and you're at a concert, um, if you forgot to put your earplugs in. And you get that notification. This might be a reminder to you. Oh, you know, I should put some some earplugs in. Really, I think this is a great opportunity for all of us to have like better um, hearing health into our future.
1: Uh, yeah, Lori, you kind of touched on it there at the end. Uh, Dan likes to agree with Joe. I like to disagree with Joe. That's sort of how we do. Um, it, it's not actually a disagreement with Joe. But uh, one of the things that they didn't quite talk about on stage that is uh, coming as part of iOS 13 is the hearing health features related to listening through headphones. And so while uh, the Apple Watch does have a little microphone, and it is buzzing, it's listening to your environment and buzzing you whenever the environment is too loud, it actually is also doing the thing where if you're listening to music or, or a video or something for, like you said, too long at an at a high volume, then it will also let you know, Hey, if you keep doing this, uh, then you potentially risk potential hearing damage or rather, uh, temporary hearing damage and then potentially, you know, ongoing hearing damage. Um, it is noted that it is, you know, better uh, equipped to know how AirPods and Apple's other headphones are or are not damaging your ears, but it will work with headphones of, of all sorts. So, I think that in terms of uh just making us more aware, this is a pretty neat feature and I thank you all for your responses on that one. Let's move on to our next topic which comes from Joe. So,
3: in the morning, uh how do you how do you guys use technology uh to to handle your morning routine whether that's uh lights that go on or beverages that need to brew for tea or coffee or uh, reminders that you need to uh, process before you get your day started. How, how do you guys uh, use technology in your morning routine? I
0: think I could use it a lot better. The one thing I've started doing more recently is I created a pair of shortcuts to do some very like informal sleep tracking. So like I'll hit a shortcut when I go to bed that will log that time and then I'll hit a shortcut when I wake up in the morning and it will log the time that I woke up and give me sort of a rough idea of how much sleep I got. You know, it's not as detailed as other sleep tracking stuff. Um, But it helps me just sort of get a broad idea. Uh, I think other than that, um, I don't really have anything sort of automated. Like I do have like a routine because a lot of times I sort of roll over and pick up my phone and like start checking in on things. But I don't have like a good like codified version of how technology really, you know, of like a like an automation, so uh, you know I'll get up and and check the weather uh, on the Echo in my in my kitchen and you know set timers to to brew tea and stuff like that. But I don't have like a really great workflow, uh, and I feel like maybe maybe that could be improved. Maybe Lori has something to offer me.
2: <laughs> well, first of all, um, my be- my favorite thing to do, um, I have my morning routine set. My hue lights. Wake up! Wake me up at uh, six o'clock in the morning, and um, they're in that sunrise. I think it's called. So they, the light slowly gets brighter and brighter. So it's very dim when it first wakes me up, and I also have the bedtime alarm, not a standard alarm, so that slowly makes noise that gets a little bit louder and louder. So when I wake up in the morning, it's not just this sort of like stark smack you in the face, get out of bed. It's a Oh, good morning. It's like Disney. There's there's birds chirping in the background. Um that's my wake up routine. Um, that's that is an automated situation. I absolutely love it. it I, when I go somewhere else, I just I hate waking up in the morning. So, um, but outside of that, I don't have any morning automations. But I do um, listen to podcasts. I you know I check the news every morning when I'm sitting around drinking my coffee, and then I listen to podcasts while I'm showering and getting ready. Um, so those are kind of the things I do before I sit down in front of my computer every day.
1: Uh, I use a lot of tech, uh, it turns out. So I like to, <laughs> I've talked about this before, I think on, uh, the most important meal breakfast podcast, but I really like to start the morning by doing a little bit of dancing. Um, so when, My, I have some hue lights that sort of at the, at the time that my alarm goes off, they start to brighten up in the room and then they, you know, get to full brightness. And at that point, it's time to get out of bed. And the home pod, uh, is currently what I use to sort of play a song and kind of drink my water and get the, get my blood pumping. Um, I use Do, the Reminders app for any sort of like medications and things like that that I need to worry about. Um, I also use the bedtime features in iOS to do the nice wake-up alarm uh, pillow for sleep tracking. So my Apple Watch I'm usually wearing when I go to bed um, so that it can help me track my sleep and I can see sort of where I was in, in my sleep uh, at different times and how much of each stage of sleep I've gotten. Um, for making coffee or tea or what have you, I like to just use the, uh, I use one of the complication faces and it's got the timer function in the bottom left corner. So I can just tap on that and easily set my timer for brewing or steeping, depending. Um, and I think that just about does it, uh, yeah, that's that pretty much covers it. There's probably a, like some other small things that are in there somewhere, but those are the those are the big ones. Joe, what about you?
3: Yeah, so I use bedtime uh to and uh that's a nice slow easy ramp up of an alarm, um not the the blood curdling scream of an alarm. <laughs> uh so I I I prefer it for that reason. Uh and uh I also uh in terms of like, if I'm, if I'm brewing coffee, I'll use, uh, something called the Intelligentsia app, um, which is, uh, a coffee company. Um, I don't use their coffee cause I don't <sighs> like it, but their app is you. free. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm wearing, I'm wearing New Balance shoes with Reebok socks basically, but, um, it's, <laughs> it's a, I, I use other other coffee sources, coffee bean sources uh, that have been ground, and I, I just use that for the the, the weight and time calculation that I need to pay attention to. Um, because if you are doing a, a pour over, you need to you need to have your your grams all set up. Um, and I, I'm not really in the mood to figure that out in my head in the morning. Uh, I'd much rather have the little thing do it. Although that app, I'm I would love to replace because it's a it's like an iOS like it's an iphone 6 app basically uh because it has the, the the black bars on the top and the bottom um so let's so you know uh how old and out of date it is but all it does is the timer, so it's not like it needs to like any, have any bang features, but it has the black bars. But uh, that's 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 where I am with my morning routine.
1: We have just reached halftime of the show, folks, uh, and I am excited to tell you about our pals, our good good buddies at Text Expander, who bring you this episode of Clockwise. Thank you, smile. Text Expander lets you insert words, phrases, forms, templates, and more with just a couple key clicks. Everywhere you type, you can take control of your time and productivity. By letting Text Expander handle your repetitive typing tasks so you can get back to the important stuff that you need to get done. Text Expander is available for Mac OS, for Windows, for iPhone and iPad, and now for Chrome. And making and editing snippets is now even easier with Text Expander's new visual snippet editor. Companies use Text Expander for Teams, for customer support, reports, email, and anywhere else they need consistent and accurate text. If you already love Text Expander and 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 like to tell people about it? Well, guess what? You can join their affiliate program to earn a little something when people sign up. If like me, you're always looking for ways to be a little more productive, well, you need Text Expander. It makes typing those repetitive phrases and paragraphs unbelievably fast. Seriously, an entire paragraph that would take ages to type can expand in a second. I have talked before about how much I love creating Text Expander snippets and sharing them with people. It's like having a stick of gum for someone at work or at school. You can hand over some snippets, and suddenly you become the popular person because you make their job so. Much easier and quicker. I am constantly using Text Expander snippets all throughout my day. Regardless of what I'm doing, I love Text Expander. So you can check it out by visiting TextExpander.com slash podcast to learn more about Text Expander. And listeners of Clockwise, you get 20% off your first year. Go to TextExpander.com slash podcast now. Our thanks to Text Expander from Smile for their support of this show and Relay FM and for putting a smile on our face. All right, Dan, what have you got for us?
0: All right, so just yesterday as we record this, I updated the car radio in my car to a version with CarPlay, uh, which I, after seven years of using the terrible car radio that came with my car, is a really, really nice improvement. So my question for you is, do you use CarPlay or Android Auto? Would you upgrade if you could? Is it a factor when you, like, decided to buy your current vehicle or when you buy your next vehicle? What are your CarPlay thoughts, Lori?
2: I want CarPlay real bad. Number one, don't currently own a car. So (laughs) it's not really something that I can even try for. But I do plan on buying a car. But here's the second problem. I don't want to buy just any old car. I very specifically want an older conversion van. And those don't they don't they don't come with CarPlay. So my only alternative would to be to be to buy an aftermarket stereo that supports CarPlay, which I will probably end up doing because I've, I very much would love to have CarPlay. But I have zero experience with it, so I can't even talk about loving it or hating it. I just know I do want it. I love that most new cars come with it. But I hate that what I want out of life is a car that's 20 years old.
1: I would drive around more often if I had CarPlay. There's something about it that's just very enjoyable. And it makes navigation so much easier. Everything feels locked in. It feels safer. Uh, It's all kinds of fun. And I have thought, I've got a 2004 Dodge Stratus, um, and I have on many occasions pondered the the idea of buying a head unit for it and popping in a, a CarPlay deal. But the problem is it is not shaped for that and so i would have to buy a special one and it's it's a whole bunch of trouble and it would end up costing me more than the car is worth at this point so i that's what keeps me from doing it so i think i'll just wait until my good old robin quits on me and then at that point i am definitely in the market for having a having car play functionality in my car because i think it's pretty nifty joe what are your thoughts
3: my 2002 uh, Honda Accord uh, uh, was not doing so great. So in 2017, I replaced it with a, a Honda Civic that has CarPlay, and CarPlay was one of the things that I was shopping for in a new car. Um, uh, and the CarPlay experience uh, is good. Uh, there are still some asterisks attached to that um, <laughs> on various parts of it, but i vastly prefer it to the experience that uh you have if you're using what came in a car um to use for you uh the the like everything in there just looks like some horrible winamp skin or like some <laughs> really bad MapQuest version from 2005 it's it's really startling how uh terrible uh car car technology is in some respects but uh just just plug in your phone and uh you you get an improvement and I'm really looking forward to the improvements that are coming in uh iOS 13 um in in the uh in the fall here but uh it's it's really good and uh Dan just to have me back on when you're ready to talk about uh all the little things you don't like um because <laughs> there's so many of them. Um, yeah, that, that come up every now and then.
0: There, there are definitely a few I've already encountered, but overall, I think you're right that it's such a huge improvement over what's in there. And I think you also touched on the end of your, uh, your end of your say there. What's really kind of novel about it is the idea that it gets improved. <laughs> if you had a car radio before that, chances are whatever you had when you bought it was what you'd still be using when you got rid of that car, however many years later, because there might be some small tweaks to like fix bugs occasionally if you're lucky, but it's not like the experience really changes. And at least Apple and Google are invested in updating and improving what they have to offer. And sure, there'll always be limitations based on what the hardware can support. But just the fact that the software will get better over time is already a huge improvement. And for me, it, it went from taking things in my car that were downright annoying. I had a button that would trigger volkswagen's built-in voice assistant thing which is circa 2012 and is terrible and I basically every time i would hit it it has this little bloop chime and then it would start saying main menu and talking and like you had to wait till it finished and then yell cancel really loudly to make it stop and it was just something i hit by accident now when i hit that button it just turns on Siri and it's so good. <laughs> like, oh my God, this is what I've wanted this entire time. So, so far, uh, I agree that it's not it's not perfect, but it's such an improvement over what I had before that it really feels like a huge deal. So thanks for your thoughts on that. Let us go to our last topic, which comes from Lori.
2: Um, with all the antitrust um, information that keeps popping up, I thought it, it's time for us to have a quick chat about whether or not you think the App Store is considered a monopoly and whether or not you think Apple should make some model and policy changes. And this is a hot subject, so let's find out.
1: I think that there are some considerations to be made, uh, for sure. But I would not call the App Store a monopoly. Um, I'm not going to go that far with it. Um, You know, free parking and and the boardwalk are not there. (laughs) But... I do think that Apple needs to do a better job of being consistent so that internally and externally apps are treated the same. So that small developers and large developers and Apple itself, first-party apps and third-party apps get the same treatment, the same rulings, the same rules, the same regulations, the same ability to send notifications or not send notifications. And if everybody has to follow the rules and the rules are consistent as possible, then I think that that puts the App Store in a good place. Um, Not only do I think that there's sort of a... uh, a wrongness to calling the app store mono- a monopoly. I also think that it's a dangerous thing to do, uh, to, you know, actually qualify it as a monopoly and then say, here's what we need to do to regulate this thing. Suddenly the app store that I have been able to rely on and, uh, get apps from and sort of know what it is and where these things are coming from, all sorts of changes might have to happen. And that to me is scary and is, potentially damaging to a set of devices that i use and enjoy and would prefer to not have um, folks who don't know as much about technology coming in and regulating those things in uh, unwise ways
3: i agree with what you said about uh consistent policy but for me i think part of it is also uh the the barrier to entry for the various parties that participate in the app store um and uh i don't i agree with you i I don't necessarily think it's a monopoly it's a unique situation that apple is in um but uh they they charge a lot of money for uh any in-app sales of certain kinds of things they have very specific rules about not allowing you to go somewhere else to conduct those sales um but uh if anyone has a Kindle and you've looked at something on your iPhone and have been bounced around via redirects to other web pages so that you can purchase something for your Kindle, then you you know that experience is a little lackluster, and is not really improved by App Store uh, policies. Um, so it's 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 a curious situation to be in in terms of that, and uh, I I really would hope that Apple would adjust its policies in order to allow a more fluid experience for customers while maintaining security. Um, cause I, I do think, uh, much like you do, Micah, that security is paramount that there is a level of trust with things that come from the app store. Uh, and I, I wouldn't want to compromise that, but at the same time, I don't know if it's necessarily doing anyone any favors to just bounce around to various places to, to buy things in, in other spots.
0: Yeah, I kind of agree with you guys in that I I, I don't think, strictly speaking, it's a monopoly. E, there are other vendors that you can buy smartphones for and use apps and be part of that ecosystem. So it's not as though this is the only option. That said, it does have basically all, unlimited control over it if you do choose this option. And many people don't necessarily consider it an easy thing to have, uh, you know, switch platforms, for example. I agree that Apple's Policies leave a lot to be desired in their treatment of third-party developers. Um, certainly, they've done a lot for the third-party marketplace, but it does seem, especially as it becomes a more and more mature marketplace, that some of the restrictions are unnecessary or designed in ways to just generate profit rather than actually being having some sort of commensurate relationship with what Apple is actually doing to run this service. So high percentages for in-app purchases, uh, like you guys said, even just the 30% percentage overall feels more archaic in terms of what it's doing at this point. And certainly, there are arguments that it can do what it wants, uh, and if you want to go shop somewhere else, you shop somewhere else. But, you know, again, the portability isn't just as easy as driving from Walmart to Target, for example. So I think that there's a lot that has to be looked into here. But I also worry that the nuances of this situation may be lost on those less technically savvy people who have to do the regulation. So I guess that's why we need to get people who know more about technology in the office.
2: I don't really think of the App Store as being considered a monopoly, especially because there are more Android devices with their own App Store installed. So technically, that they're not a monopoly because they don't lead the market in App Store, but. I think part of the problem right now is that developers and consumers are feeling slighted by the giant company that is Apple and are therefore sort of making a statement or, or kind of pushing back or saying we don't like the way you do things. And, and one of those ways of doing that is kind of trying to force Apple to change its policies and, and through, through some sort of threat that we're, you know, we're going to break up your company. So in that regard, I think it's clear that Apple cares about developers, but it, they seem to be very blind as to what developers need right now. And as a multi trillion dollar company that brags about being, you know, one of the fortune 500s or something like that, just in the app store alone making those kind of brags and then charging a 30% um, fee to developers plus their $99 a year uh, um, membership. It's sort of like, you know, it's saying, I'm going to go out and have, you know, the most expensive dinner in the world. And by the way, I'm also going to make you pay for it. So... Um, at this point, I think it would really behoove Apple to maybe reduce how much they charge developers. All of the other stuff that Apple does in terms of the, the features and the way that, um, it's the walled garden. I appreciate that because I feel safe, um, that my, my devices are gonna have a good experience and, you know, I, I will, I'm less likely to download viruses or be hacked or be tracked as bad as I would on a different device. But obviously, developers have a problem right now. And and I think what an easy solution would be to give give these developers a little bit more flexibility and reduce how much they charge them for their services.
1: Folks, we have reached the end of another episode of Clockwise. But it is time before we go for a bonus question. My question for you, what is your ideal breakfast? Joe, we'll start with you.
3: Eggs Benedict because I don't have to make it because it's ideal, uh, and uh, it's it's good. My ideal breakfast is French toast challah,
0: preferably uh, with bacon, and I mean it's ideal because it means I could eat it a lot more than I can actually eat it because it's really not great for me. <laughs> <laughs>
2: My ideal breakfast that I have almost every single weekend is a breakfast burrito from Oscars on Freeport in Sacramento, California.
1: Nice. Uh, My ideal breakfast is made for me by someone else. It is uh, gluten free biscuits and gravy. All right, folks, thank you so much for your answers on that one. We have reached the end of another episode of Clockwise. All that's left is to thank our awesome guests, Joseph Rosensteel. Thanks so much for being here.
0: Thank you for having me. And Lori Gill, thank you so much much for being here
1: thank you dan i caught the rabbit
0: oh good oh thank god thank god all right well until next time we remind all of you listening out there watch what you say
1: and keep watching the clock bye